Ronananian. I'm thinking that what holds back regular repairs from becoming good ones is the parts being used. The car doctor. The valve stem blew out of the tire, shot across the shop, and the car got a flat sitting there. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in. Sit down. Ronnie and the car doctor here. 855-560-9900. I'll say it again. 855-560-9900. The car doctor hotline 24-7. Give us a call. Leave a message if we're not in studio. We're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time out on the radio network. And if you call 855-560-9900 anytime during the week or anytime we're not on the air, then leave a message and we'll call you back and put you in the lineup. We've got it set up with a messaging service so we can get your call and talk to you about your problem and help solve it and uh, educate everybody along the way. That's what this radio show has been and is about for so many years. A couple of things. Cardoctorshow.com has podcasts. Tune in, iHeart, and iTunes.com. All links found there. Also places to get podcasts and subscribe on various devices. Also, I'm told we're out on Google Play, and you can uh, take us from that point on. And um, welcome to October, by the way. Uh, this is the beginning of the fall, in my mind, fall season. And um, just a quick point that if you were suffering from a P0128, which I'm sure you're all, oh, my God, I've got a P0128. But if you've got a P0128 and you had it in July, and if you know what that is, a P0128, actually, should I tell you what that is? Yeah. A P0128 fault code, if you got that in July, the check engine light was on and the mechanic cleared it, and you said, ah, I don't want to worry about that, and now you're going to have to because it's engine temperature below minimum spec or the engine's not warming up fast enough, so now you're going to find out about it. Oh, yeah, another two weeks, depending upon what part of the country you're in, that you'll be the person with that thermostat that's marginal. And that's usually what that is. That's that's the P0128 is the marginal thermostat that's, at a calibration, 5, 6, 10, 12 degrees, something like that. And it's just enough to put the car on the fuzzy britches edge of uh, not having correct temperature in a fast enough period of time. You got away with it in the summer. You're not going to get away with it in the coming months. So uh, plan to get that car in. And if you haven't had a thermostat replaced in the past four or five years, now may be a good time to do it anyway. It's just good normal maintenance with some coolant and uh, getting the car serviced because, no, they don't run forever unless you take care of them, bottom line. I want to talk a little bit about, well, I should talk about, I have to do this. I'm sorry. I have to do this. Tony, the Giants played bad last week. I have to do this, folks. Can you can you humor me a little bit? Can you let Thank me do you, this? Brent Musburger. Yeah. Well, I just, I just want to let you know, you see, we, we've noticed that this football season, Every time I talked bad about the Giants, they won. And then last week, I didn't talk bad about the Giants, and they lost. So I think Tony's Tony's pressuring me now. He thinks there's a connection here because Tony and Tom bleed Giants blue. All right? So I, I think the Giants really have their work cut out for him on Monday Night Football. For all our listeners up in Minnesota, let's go Vikings. And um, let's see the Giants just rise to their full potential because I just don't think they have the ability to beat the Vikings. What do you say to that? 
I say poo on you. Well, <laughs> just remember, I'm just making you guys happy by talking bad about the Giants. Well, yes, you should, because you didn't last week, and they played great in the first half. They came out, and it was like, who replaced the team? It was like a Folgers commercial. Well, <laughs> you know, listen, I'm just doing my part here because I'm a, I'm a people person. I just want to keep my guys happy. So uh, let's see what they do. Of course, you know what? Look at it this way. At, at least you guys aren't the Jets, right? All I kept thinking was last week's game, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he should have signed that three-year deal for, for $20 million because the uh, one-year $13 million deal didn't seem like it would make any sense to me. You know, my son is both a Jets and a Mets fan. He, tw- he uh, put on Facebook last week, he says, you know, the Mets scored more touchdowns than the Jets, and they weren't playing football this week. Well, you know, so at least you guys aren't the Jets. We'll see what they do tomorrow. Anyway, this is The Car Doctor. This is a show about auto repair. I had to do that. I'm sorry. I just... Tony was pressuring me. He says, you got to talk bad about the Giants this week because we have to win Monday night. Okay, Tone, I gave it the whammy. Let's see if it works. I want to talk to you about, and, you know, I I do this thing, the repair of the week. I want to talk to you about the dumb repair of the week. All right? This might become a new feature, too. We'll see how this feels when I do it. Take your finger. Take any finger. Not that one, Tony. Take any finger, okay, and... On your other hand, take your thumb and your index finger and put your one finger into your folded over thumb and forefinger, just like that, okay? Imagine your pointed finger is the ABS sensor and the hole that the finger is stuck into is the wheel bearing. Now you'll understand this 07 Nissan Murano that I'm going to tell you about. 2007 Nissan Murano came into the shop at RA Automotive. The wheel bearing was loose. It was a bad bearing. And as a result of the bearing being bad, it had kicked the corner of the ABS sensor and damaged it. But the really dumb part about this vehicle and the way they assembled it is, and it's a good thing the sensor was was damaged, but there's no way to pull the sensor. There's no way to get the bearing out without pulling the sensor out. So now I want you to, with with your finger into your thumb and your forefinger, Now try pulling your hand away laterally against your finger. You can't. Your finger's locked in the hole. And that's what the wheel bearing became. In order to get the wheel bearing out, you have to pull it away in such a way that you, and you can't tilt it because the ABS sensor's in the way. So you've got two choices. You're either going to unbolt the ABS sensor and slide it out, or you're going to do what we did. Because this Murano, like a lot of Muranos, the sensor was jammed in there. It had rusted in, and it wasn't able to easily be removed. And we see this a lot. And what we've learned to do is we take, there's an inner cage on the wheel bearing that we will knock off, we'll air chisel it off, separate the cage from the bearing, pull the bearing out, take the cage off, Leave the sensor alone. If the sensor's intact, sometimes we find them damaged because of their close proximity to it. And then when we reassemble the new sensor, we just notch the cage a little bit, and it just gets a little click and a, and a, and a tick under, and it goes right in. But how dumb is that? And, and that's, that's sort of the point of this opening conversation, that I wonder if the engineers ever sit there because I've come to the conclusion that they don't. They don't sit there and reassemble these things. I don't think they have the capacity to. I don't know if they care to. And I understand that accountants really run car companies, and I get it, that it's all about money and making money and not spending money in terms of how they're going to put the car together. And But you got to think about taking it apart, guys. Come on. And wouldn't it be nice if we, if we learned to maybe lubricate the hole that the 
ABS speed sensor or any sensor was sitting in and, and start to think about disassembly as much as assembly. I had a 2002, okay, granted it's 14 years old. I had a 2002 Focus this week that needed a power steering line. Now, this is another dumb repair. The power steering line on this O2 Focus comes up out of the pump, goes across the top of the engine, right over the top of the exhaust manifold. So in your mind, you would think, hey, top of the exhaust manifold, it's always going to be warm. How could it possibly rust? The original line, and, well, the problem is the reason it rusts is because it's also the exhaust manifold is here. The tube goes over the top of it. The exhaust manifold and the tube are right behind the radiator, so all the road salt, spray, moisture, everything gets blown onto the line, as well as the manifold. That's why the heat shields were gone. They had rusted away and disappeared over time. But the dumb repair part here is that the original line was painted steel. The replacement line was galvanized, so it would resist corrosion. Now, not only was it a dumb repair, but it was a dumb replacement part. Why are we going to spend the money to come up with a galvanized pipe on a car that's 14 years old? The car's not going to last 14 years. It's a miracle that it got this far. And now you're going to make a part last another five years? Like, for what? What's the reasoning here? But what really got me perturbed was they used a steel bolt into the aluminum head to hold the line in place so it doesn't rest against the exhaust manifold and melt the rubber hose. And, of course, the steel line, the steel bolt breaks off in the aluminum head, and we had to come up with alternative ways of securing the line so that it wouldn't fall apart. The dumb repair of the week. So I think we're going to have to do that. We'll make this a regular feature. I'm going to have to come up with some more. It's not going to be hard. Some of the things that are really stupid in the shop in terms of what they want us to fix and how they want us to fix it because the engineers aren't thinking. But um, just if you're driving a Murano, you're doing a wheel bearing, Think about that. Take a look at that, my brothers in the repair shops. Take a look at how the sensor goes into the bearing hub. Think about taking it apart like that. It might save you some trouble and aggravation along the way. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. We're going to kick the garage doors wide open when I return. Don't go away. Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. By the way, to continue that conversation before the pause, we were talking about the P0128 and um, engine temperature below spec. Make sure when you do pick a thermostat that you get a good one. And by that, I mean, you know, use the thermostat we're using in the shop every day, a stand superstat. Uh, you know, when I tell you that their heat motor, which is the piece that controls how that valve opens, how that thermostat opens, when I tell you that that's OE level and made in USA and all that, yeah, there's nothing better than that. Um, we still use Stant each and every day in the shop. More information at Stant.com. Let's get out and talk to Kathy, LaCrosse, Wisconsin, 2002 Chevy Tracker, and some questions about the engine. Kathy, welcome to the car doctor. How Hi. can I help? Yes, ma'am. How can I help you? Um, I bought a 2002 Chevy Tracker uh, earlier this year. I paid 1700 a little bit more for it. And um, eventually it started smoking a lot, and it burns a lot of oil. And when I say smoke, I mean when I start it, there is a big puff of smoke. Like a poof. And I, yes. Right. And like it the... smokes as I drive it also. Okay. And um, I have had it uh, 
two different places, and I've had estimates to get a new uh, engine in it. Right. And the um, the new well a used engine that I could get at a junkyard would be around fifteen hundred dollars, maybe a little bit more. And I was wondering, would it be worth it to get another used engine put in there, or what? How, how many miles? It burns are on, a lot of oil. Yeah, how many miles Pardon? are on the car, Kath? Uh, a hundred and thirty-three and almost five hundred. Okay, so one hundred and thirty-three thousand. All right, so it's got one hundred thirty thousand on it. And you paid how much for the car? Seventeen hundred. All right, and how long have you driven it? Uh, I got it earlier this spring. All right, so you've got about five months into it. Yes. Six months into it. Mm-hmm. So in, in reality, you're at the moment where the car owes you nothing. Uh-huh. All right, because $1,700, we divide that out by six. Um, you know, would, would you spend 250 between 250 and 300 a month to drive a car? And that's that's an average car payment. So okay. let's let's think of it like that. We're sort of at break even. And and now if you could turn around and sell that car to somebody for five hundred to a thousand bucks, because somebody will drive it with oil, you know, burning and not not worry about it or be concerned, so you can get some of your money back. So let's let's just start from that position if we can. All right. Okay. My concern with a junkyard engine in a fourteen-year-old car is a couple of different places. Number one, is it an exact match? Is it a two thousand two Chevy Tracker engine, or is it something generational is it you know sometimes the the salvage yards will have engines that will they'll pull it out of a 2000 or a 2001 and say this fits 1999 through 2005 model year but you've got to change this 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 and this so it's not necessarily always a direct fit so first question is the salvage yard salvage yard engine a direct swap all right okay the second question is what kind of shape is the rest of your truck in how much it's in pretty good shape how much rust is there you know the undercarriage no, there isn't a, no there there doesn't seem to be too much rust okay so it's a it's a you know i think of i always think of engine transplant it's like a heart transplant so it's 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 a you know it's a heart transplant case it's it makes a good cause it's not overweight it's it's not um it's there's no rot uh, <laughs> um you know there's there's nothing bad about the vehicle itself and then the mm-hmm. the, the third question is let's say you put the engine in it, all right? Let's say, you know, the engine's $1,700 and it's $500 to put it in, or is that $1,700 installed? Um, well, I can get a friend to install it. Okay, so let's... And it's got 95,000 miles on the um, the junkyard engine. All right, any guarantee? I don't think so. Okay, so, you know, you got to be concerned if you put it in and it smokes, because that's also 12, that's also 14 years old. What's the guarantee factor? Do they at least give you a 30-day guarantee on it? All right? Oh. You know, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just because, listen, everything's as old as that car, right? It's still 14 yeah. years old. It's a salvage yard car. All right? And then the question mm-hmm. becomes, how long has it been sitting around? But the the bigger question, the biggest problem I have in this situation is, depending upon how long this has been burning oil, you've also been burning oil and coating the catalytic converter. Uh-huh. So at what point have you coated the cat and damaged it? How much oil it's going through? You know, you're going through how much oil? A quart and what, 500 miles? Or not that bad? Uh, yeah, probably that okay. much. And how long has this been going on? Uh, 
shortly after I bought it. Okay, so for the past six months. Yeah. So you're driving a, a 14-year-old vehicle for the past six months with 130,000 miles on it, pumping a quart of oil through the exhaust system. Um, and, you know, that's that's got to be a concern for the catalytic converter in terms of age and longevity. And if mm-hmm. you get the the dreaded P0420, which is a catalytic converter efficiency code, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're going to start putting another $1,500, $2,000 in the car. Okay. Let me ask you the question this way. Can you afford to go buy another car? Probably. Then why don't you? And, oh. I'm, and, and, I'm, and I'm asking that question for an answer that, you know, no, I love this car. This car floats my boat or no, I can't afford economically to go out and replace this vehicle right now. Well, I could replace it. Yes. Okay. And, but I would get it uh, used, another used car. You know, I couldn't afford a new one. Right. But, you know, another used car, and do you have a price range? I mean, maybe that's part of this answer, too. If, 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 because here's my, here's my concern. If you put this junkyard engine in, or even if you put a new engine into this 14-year-old car, uh-huh. two months later, the transmission failed. What would you oh, do? Oh, I never thought of that. What would you do? Would you fix yeah, it? I'd have to get that fixed. Right. Would you fix it? Hmm. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, would I? I don't know. Right. You know, this is like, listen, listen, kiddo, this is like you and me standing at the counter at the shop. I have this conversation four times a week, it seems like. Sometimes this feels like four times a day. People want me to do this type of work all the time. And my first question is, if the transmission fails, would you put a trans in it? The person that says yes, I fix that car. The person that says no, I talk them out of it because I don't think it's justifiable. Because I I, I don't think it's a practical application and a way to spend money. You're already, right now, you're in a pretty good spot. Okay, mm-hmm. you're 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 in a pretty good spot. You've you've got a car that you know you kind of broke even. All right, you, you've and you uh-huh. could probably you could probably drive this car another month and spend another you know twenty bucks on four quarts of oil. All right, and and get another month out of this car, or maybe drive it through the winter and just till it till it drops. But you know to start spending. 1700 or, or whatever it's going to become and then two months later three months later the trans fails and how's the rest of the car all of a sudden you're going to have four or five thousand dollars in this 1700 dollars car that's six months old you went from a good position to a bad one and i think it's not a smart money move in this case especially something at this age whatever your call kathy you know whatever you decide i'm here for you let me know i'm running in the car doctor i'm back right after this Welcome back. Ron Needing the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number, 855-560-9900-247. Give us a call, leave a message. We're live on the radio network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. But if you call the aforementioned 855-560-9900 phone number, leave a message. We will call you back and get you in the lineup for the following week as we do this live show each and every Saturday and have... I don't know, 25, 26 years? I think I'm aging by the minute. Well, of course you're aging by the minute, Ron. What's wrong with you? Anyway, let's get back to the phones and let's go over and talk to Roll and uh, see what's going on out Chicago way. Roll, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome, sir. What's going on? Ron, I have a 09 Cadillac CTS. It's the uh, LY7. Okay. And I do my own, my own 
oil changes since I bought the car new. Right. And it's only got 20,000 miles. I, I started noticing that um, as of lately, that every time I change the oil, that first startup after the oil change, um, I might get like a five-second um, where it sounds like there's a lifter knock, and then it'll go away once the oil goes through. Is there any way to prime the oil pump properly? No, because so that I'm not causing damage. The the filter in that that engine. This is the is this the filter that's upside down? Yes, right. This doesn't have the um, uh, the filter in the conv- I'm trying to th- remember the three six. Yeah. yeah, cartridge filter on top. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, um, no, and I, I mean, yeah, I guess probably the easiest thing to do if there's a way to disable the fuel pump, but to crawl under the car, unplug the pump, or find the fuel pump fuse, and um, just to get it to crank over. You know, seems like a lot of trouble, more trouble than it's worth, and how many fault codes you'll cause, and, and and other things like that. You know, I would take it as that's not necessarily the biggest concern I have, simply because if you're changing the oil, and here's here's the argument for making regular oil changes and not doing it on a manufacturer's recommendation. Let me let me say it like this: I'm trying to learn to talk in simple English. Uh, you know, if you change the oil manufacturer's recommendation, it's probably every eight to 10,000 miles. Uh, would you agree with me? You've probably taken the oil to the ragged edge. <laughs> no, not, no, not at all. At, at eight to uh, 10. Well, I, at eight, I do every, uh, go ahead. Was that go ahead. You, you change the you oil. Know, how I, often? I do every 5,000 or two, two times a, uh, a year. Right. Because I, I don't put any many miles on the car. Right. But the person that changes it every eight to 10,000 miles has taken that oil to the edge, to the, to the, you know, yes. in, in my, right. They've, they've, in my opinion, they've abused that oil. They've abused that engine. And, you know, so now imagine you're doing that oil change at the 10,000 mile mark and you've got that ticky valve because you're running it dry until the filter primes and fills it up. So in that engine, until the fresh oil comes up through the pump and the pickup tube, you've got that 10,000-mile oil laying on the lifters and the rollers and all the other components. So what sort of protection is there on that on that engine startup? Not much. Whereas if you're changing the oil every 5,000 miles, that oil still has some chemical property and ability to protect that engine. I think you're doing, gotcha. I think you're doing less damage. You're actually doing it the right way. Unfortunately, now I'm going to get a ton of email from people telling me I'm an idiot. And, uh, you know, what I'm doing is just supporting more frequent oil changes because I'm going to retire off of that. Trust me, it's got nothing to do with that. No, I won't retire off oil changes. One of the concerns, well, let me just finish this thought. One of the concerns I've got that I want you to get a copy of because you should be aware of this. There's a technical document out there from GM 5191 that talks about engine ticking noise on cold startup. Have you seen that at all? Have you had a chance to look at this? Yes. And that's yes. that's the I, one. I, that's the one that, for everyone else's benefit, talks about the oil pump pickup tube. The O-ring collapses when it's cold; it gets compressed and it draws air. And you know that's a problem as well. I don't think that's your case. I think what you've got is a normal condition, but just something yeah. as this vehicle ages to be aware of. Now you had a comment. Go ahead. Uh, how often should I also change the uh, bypass valve? Because th- that one's fixed on that that top cap. I don't know that they really call for the bypass valve to be changed on a regular basis. That's the one. Okay. That's the one inside the housing, correct? Correct. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that come up as a document to to do that. You know, you could make the case. You know, my old rule of thumb, I think, still applies in a lot of cases. But, you know, listen, I started this radio show 26 years ago. I've been repairing cars 43. A lot of the things I came to I came to town with have changed over the years. I've never really thought about it, to be honest with you. But I guess after 100,000 miles, you probably owe the car one of everything. And, you know, if it makes you feel better, yeah, go ahead, change it. I can't argue the point. However, I could argue the point against changing an OE part out for a replacement part by this connotation. So I've started to notice, and I've, I've been thinking this for the past 10 or 12 years, that a lot of replacement parts, regardless of where they come from, you know, OE dealer level or aftermarket stuff, aren't as good as the original pieces on the car. And I think somewhere back in the um, back alleys, shall we say, where manufacturers live, I think there's a stockpile of, here's the first-rate parts we're putting on the car coming off the assembly line. We have to warranty for five years and 50,000 miles. And here's the pile of parts that, well, you know, they've got 10% defect in them, and they're not as good, but they're still good, and we can't afford to throw them out because the bean counters are making us keep track of the pennies. And I think a lot of that secondary pile makes its way out into the aftermarket and the dealer shelves, whether we realize it or not, whether we want to accept it or not. I think that's the course. I think that's the course and cost of doing business. So sometimes I get nervous throwing out that OE part until I know it's really bad, because I may never get another one engineered to that level again. So that's something to think about too. I would tell Thanks you so much, Ron. I would tell you to stay on top of your oil changes. Keep doing what you're doing. And that car's in 09, probably more than anything else. If you Have you ever had it back to the dealer or to a repair shop to have software flashes done? No. Then you may want to consider doing that because I can almost guarantee you there's more than a few for a seven-year-old car. And soft, soft, no, I, I soft did have the recalls. Yes. Okay. Well, recalls are one thing. Recalls are when Microsoft tells us the CD-ROM changer is bad and we have to replace it. But a software update is when they tell us the operating system for that CD-ROM changer also has to be replaced, so we update the software. Or when the software that operates the main motherboard, which has nothing to do with the CD-ROM changer, is bad, and we want to replace that as well. Same thing with a car. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, okay. it's it, it's gotten to the point now where, and I started my radio career 25 years ago predicting this. 50, uh, I'm sorry, 25 years ago, and then 15 years ago, I said we were starting to do it. Each and every car that rolls through the shop, if the car comes in and it's got a check engine light on or it's in for a seasonal checklist or something like that, I break out the scan tool, I plug it in, or I connect wirelessly with the new launch, which is what we've been doing, and I go through a, a system scan, and I have it, I, I, I am budgeting my time, and I have it go and I scan every module on the vehicle. It's amazing what I'm finding in terms of codes that aren't causing faults yet that, but are about to or things that have happened in the past. It's really like taking a physical of the car because the electronics are so tied in. So you may want to consider doing that. All right, sir? Thank you, Ron. You're very welcome. You take good care. Chicago. Gee, we should have asked him for some ribs or some deep dish pizza. It's pizza, man, not pizza. no ribs. Pizza. No pizza. Isn't Chicago ribs? That's Kansas City. Oh. Well, we're on in Kansas City, too. How come nobody from Kansas City ever sent us ribs? Because you talked about the Jets. Oh, why they like the Jets? No, you know the, the Jets lost to them last week. You know, six interceptions by Mister Fitzpatrick. Well, then I think somebody should take pity on us and 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 send us ribs. 
I, mar- I used to be married to a young lady from Kansas City. No, oh. trust me, it's not oh. going to happen. Okay, there's a lot of places I could go with that comment. Yes, but it's this a show is, me this, state, but we're going to let it go. We're going to let it go because this is the fam- This is family radio. Yes, it is, and I love you. Love you too. Okay, I'm going to pull over and take a pause. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Annie, the car doctor's coming back. Don't go away. Get your kicks on Route six to six. Welcome back. We're on Eating the Car Doctor, rolling along here. And uh, let's get over and do a quick email. This comes to us from Maury. We spoke last week. Yeah, Maury, I remember this. Maury wants to know my opinion of a couple of things. He wants to know my opinion of oil analysis. Is it worth the money to figure out the proper oil change interval? I'll take these one piece at a time. Maury, and for everybody else, I think oil oil analysis has its place. Where I think it has its place, um, maybe I would do oil analysis on a new car, six months in or six months before the warranty expires to see, do I have any internal engine issues going on? Is it detecting any signs of coolant in the oil? Is it detecting any signs of metal breakdown in the oil, telling me that that engine's going to suffer some sort of a failure? This way I can make a case for it before that engine is out of warranty or before that vehicle gets more than two or, or five or 10,000 miles on it if I do it early enough however the case may be. Would the manufacturers accept that as an indication of a problem? I don't know, but it gives you a case for an argument. Beyond that, to do an oil analysis, as Maury, as Maury puts it, to figure out the proper oil change interval, Maury, are you going to do a consistent oil change? I mean, are you going to do consistent driving habits? Are you, are you, you know, fixed robotic in, in, in type of driving style that you do 4,000 miles, equal amount of warm-up, equal amount of stop-and-go, equal amount of cruising time, each and every cycle, each and every drain interval? No. So to use an oil analysis as far as determining oil change interval, I don't think you could do it at a reasonable cost without driving yourself insane. As a matter of fact, the discrepancy or the, the, the way that oil changes well, the way that driving habits vary is one of the reasons why I don't believe in manufacturers' recommendations. Case in point. I'll say this here on radio so everybody knows I said it. You could get in a car from New York City, the city where the Giants are going to lose Monday night. Thanks, Tony. And drive from New York City to California and back at one steady speed at 55, 60 miles an hour one steady temperature, and probably have to change that oil in the average car every six to 8,000 miles because the oil isn't going to break down. The oil isn't going to have an issue. It has no cool down. It has no idle time. It's just one steady state. But the fact is most of you, no, not many of you, drive like that. It's all stop and go. It's all cool down. It's warm up. It's idle time. It's traffic. It's harsh acceleration. It's, 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 it's light acceleration. So, therefore, you know, when I sit here and I talk to you about that three- to four-month oil change interval, three to 4,000 miles on conventional, longer on synthetic, I'm basing it on severe service. I'm also basing that oil drain interval on if you get a qualified mechanic 
and not somebody that was flipping hamburgers last week working at a, well, let's say an oil change place this week, trying to sell you four air filters, a cabin filter, and valve stem caps for your tires to make his commission check. If you get a real mechanic under the hood, then, yeah, you know what? That kind of pays for itself because it's keeping you safe. Maury also wants to know about the valve system on his 2015 Honda and how the oil affects that. The way that Honda works, and it's funny, I've got the article here, I was reading it again, from the folks at Amsoil. The folks at Amsoil wrote this article about variable valve timing. We should see if we can get this up on Facebook somehow. And they talk about variable valve timing for Maury and everybody else. What variable valve timing is, think of the bicycle sprockets. You've got a, a, a little sprocket and a big sprocket. If you want to advance the bigger sprocket, which in this case would be the camshaft, and make it out of sync with the rear from where the original marks were, maybe advance it two teeth, that's variable valve timing. You're going to advance the sprocket and change the way the timing, change the way the valves open in relation to the pistons. That's going to affect engine performance. All right? The, what the oil does is the oil is the device. It's the fluid that hydraulically moves and changes the position of the cam through a valve system. So the oil has to deal with the hydraulic pressure as well as lubrication, as well as the temperature extreme, as well as, you know, the list goes on. So it's very important for an oil change interval. Maury also wants to know the expected mileage with proper oil maintenance. Well, we're going to argue about proper, but I think that the average car today, if taken care of properly, with no mechanical defects that the engineers left in there to come out at the 100,000-mile mark, I think you can see 250, 300,000 miles out of the average engine. I don't think that's impossible. But while you're looking for mileage in terms of talking about the oil change, Maury, also consider the rest of the car and think about a maintenance plan that covers all of it. Look, if the doctor tells you to take better care of yourself and stop smoking, he doesn't mean stop smoking but drink four Dr. Peppers and eat seven Twinkies a day. All right? He's telling you to take better care of your body and look at all departments. Same thing with an automobile. Think of engine oil changes. Think of trans. Think of tires. Think of brakes, all the fluids, rubber, hoses, etc. You get it. Okay? So that's, um, that's where we'll kind of leave that. As far as a proper oil change interval, I still stand behind the synthetic oil change every five to 6,000 miles, conventional every three to four. 855-560-9900. Ron and the car doctor coming back to wrap it up right after this. Welcome back. We're well, in the car doctor. Let's real quick get over to line one, talk to Monty in Idaho. Some questions about oil additives. Monty, welcome to the car doctor. I've got about two minutes. Hi. I was wondering about um, oil additives, uh, you know, for engine and tranny and rear ends. Um, are they as good as they say on the bottle? Well, I think it depends on what additives we're talking about. I, you know, let me let me answer the question this way too, Monty, if I can. You know, for the longest time I've been repairing cars. You guys all know that, and you know, years and years and years ago, I learned the value of a little blue bottle of additive STP. And for the long-term listeners of the Car Doctor, remember how we used to talk about changing a, you know, a good oil change included a bottle of STP. I don't do that as much anymore. We don't 
use STP, which stands for Scientifically Treated Petroleum, by the way, in case anybody wants to know. But, you know, we don't use it nearly as much as we used to. And the reason is the oils of today have just gotten that much better. You know, and when we sit down, you know, you can sit down, you can go to the Pennzoil website, and you can read all about, you know, Pennzoil Ultra Platinum and Pennzoil Synthetics and everything they're talking about out there. All that stuff is true. They've really engineered it to such a fine level and taken it to such a standard that I question the need for additives, particularly when the engine is young. I don't know that you need to do that if you're using a good quality oil. Of course, then the oil change interval has to come into the conversation as well, and how often has the oil been being changed? And, you know, that's that's a whole long conversation. Obviously, we can't get into it now as I hear the music. But as far as additives, drivetrain... Yeah, I think in some cases on on higher mileage vehicles, and um, I think it has its place, but you'd have to give me some specifics as far as which additives we're talking about. Monty, I'm sorry, the clock's going to take me. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.